0: You are listening to the Teaching Ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from senior minister Roger Hendricks. Well, I hope you've had a good weekend and uh I hope your NCAA bracket is doing a little better than mine. I mean, come on, Loyola, UMBC, I mean, who even heard of them, okay? Uh, My favorite tweet over the weekend, by the way, was by a guy I follow on Twitter, Rick Achley, and this is what he had to say. He says, I want to meet the person who picked UMBC over Virginia in the bracket and ask them what stocks to invest in and when Jesus is returning. So, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Later today, uh, the school that I spent four years uh, attending is going to be playing the school I spent three years attending, okay? So, I figure I'm going to win either way, okay, most of you know I went to Purdue, but also I went to Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis, which is right next to Butler. It's formerly Butler Graduate School of Religion, so I kind of consider myself an alma mater of both schools, but seriously, I'm cheering for Purdue, okay, so, uh, but either way, I feel like I'm going to have a team in the Sweet 16, so we'll see, and by the way, the game starts at 12.15, so the 11.15 hour might go a little faster than normal, okay, Just saying. Can you imagine coming from another time and culture and trying to understand the craziness that so many, myself included, demonstrate during March with March Madness? You know, whether it's taking a day off work, and every year I threaten to take this weekend off from preaching because the, the Thursday through Sunday, I think, are the Four best days of college basketball. You get to pack a lot of games in. But then you got people take off work. You got people that stay up late to watch teams they haven't watched all year. You get people upset when their bracket is busted. You got people wearing their team colors. I mean, can you imagine coming from a different culture or maybe if you were able to time travel from a different time and saying, what's going on with all these people? It would be hard to understand. Sometimes we have the same difficulty when we read a Bible that was written two thousand years ago, even the newest parts. Because we're we're trying to understand, we're trying to comprehend a, a different time and a different culture. And we try to understand some of the references and some of the phrases that are used. And sometimes we find ourselves just scratching our head going, what's going on here? Well, this definitely could be the case with the very first Bible verses that we're going to read from today. And it's really the the section of the Bible that really we're taking our title from today, which is entitled Bold and Ridiculous. Listen to this paragraph found in a book of the Bible called 1 Corinthians, written by the Apostle Paul, when he writes this, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. How do you make sense of this passage? Well, Paul's describing a scene that the Corinthians had seen many times in their lifetime. You see, in the 1st century Roman world, a citizen would have been very familiar with the scene that Paul's describing here. You see, the Romans were were really good at at throwing a parade. They were really good at at celebrating victories. And so often when the army would come back from battle, and they would come back maybe uh, from a victorious battle, they would oftentimes even build these triumphant Roman arches in their cities. We can even find some of those in, in remains of archaeology. And, and they would have the entire army march through the city streets announcing their victory. You see, they didn't have the news feeds that we have today uh, where we can 24-7 find out what's going on in the world. And so when they would receive the most recent update from the war front, they would have to wait for the army to come back from battle. And the way they would do it is they would have the, the Roman leader or the general that had led the, that particular conquest in battle, they would lead a procession through the city The people would be cheering. And at the very end of the procession or the parade, there would be the prisoners of war from the the nation that they had just defeated. They would later be killed or sold off as slaves. And Paul describes himself as feeling at times like he's one of those prisoners of war at the very end of the procession. And he's being mocked. And ridiculed. As we examine this particular letter from the Bible in 1 Corinthians, we've been looking at it for the last two or three weeks, and we're looking at it as leading up to Easter. We've been learning that the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, Greece, to make sure that they're placing their confidence and their values in the right thing. You see, it was so easy for them to place their confidence in their Greek culture and philosophy or to place false confidence in the power of the Roman Empire. You see, it was in this context that Paul writes them and challenges them on some of their thinking that they had come to embrace and to see how it was different than the teachings, the priorities and values of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus lived a life and brought a teaching from heaven that was contradictory to the thinking of many people on earth. And because of Paul was following Jesus and because Paul was trying to imitate Jesus in his life and his values and his teaching, oftentimes Paul would find himself defending his ministry and his teaching, which some of the people of the Greek culture described as Foolish. Although we'll see in just a moment that Paul began this church four years earlier. Since that time, that church had been influenced by false teachers, or at least teachers that had false impure motives. And because of that, Paul's leadership, Paul's ministry, had come under suspicion and criticism from the Corinthians. And possibly in a a sense of uh, sarcasm, he is pointing out that His ministry doesn't stand up to what these immature Christians in the Greco-Roman world had come to value. You see, they had come to value things like human wisdom found in the Greek philosophy, or the political and military might of the Romans, or the honor that was flaunted there in the city of Corinth. And so it's in that context, Paul writes, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Personally, I, I think the Apostle Paul would have been a fascinating individual to be around. As I read some of his letters in the New Testament, I find his logic and his rhetoric amazing. Amazing. And there are times that I find myself scratching my head, trying to make sense of what he's saying and what he means in some of his letters. As, as I've heard other preachers say, I just look forward to maybe having in heaven just a few years reserved just to spend with the Apostle Paul and say, what do you really mean here in this section of Romans? But yet Paul had the difficult mission of taking the teaching of christianity to the non-jewish world he found himself going into cities and villages where people had held to uh maybe they were atheists or maybe they were pagans who believed in multiple gods whether it be the greek gods or the roman gods and as we read about his mission effort into the greek world we realize that he was not always well received When we go back and read the beginning of Paul's ministry in Greece, we see that Paul's ministry was first, was received by some people, but rejected by others. And in fact, many rejected it as simply a foolish message. I wish I would had had my message notes done in time to get it in the bulletin, and I'm sorry I didn't. But, but if, you would have, if you'd have it written out, you might want to go get a pen in the back if you're having trouble following, but just write down these verses and read them later. But, but when you compare the book of Acts to some of the letters, you see how this all transpired. And so from 1 Corinthians, we go back to Acts, when Paul began his ministry in Greece... In Acts 17, we find him in Athens. And here's how the Bible describes the response he received. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. I don't know if you've ever really sat down and just kind of allowed yourself to think about how would you respond to this message of Christ if you had not been born into a culture or a world where that was fairly widely accepted you see i've i've tried to sit back and think about the the very core teachings of Christianity and what is it what is it really Based on it's based on a belief that we are following a a savior, a messiah who died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and on the third day came back from the dead. It's really quite an amazing story. And if you'd never heard it before, like these Greeks and these Romans, then maybe some of us would reject it as well. I mean, think about it. I've thought about this. What would you think if I came in here one weekend and I said, you know. I've got to tell you some news. I've got some good friends who shared with me something they experienced over the weekend. You won't believe it. You see, these good friends of mine, we, we have a mutual friend that unfortunately died three days ago. And they were in the funeral home just yesterday or earlier today. And, and they, they came back and reported to me that that person that died sat up in the casket and they're alive. Now, probably some of you, if I came in and told that story, you'd say, man, Roger's gullible to believe that. Well, he's really drunk the Kool-Aid now, okay? I mean, some of you might think that because it's really an amazing thing to believe. See, that's the message of Christianity. That's the core teaching that Christians believe. It's a message that Paul described later in 1 Corinthians when he wrote, I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the Scripture said. That's what we're going to celebrate in a couple weeks on Easter weekend. But my question for you this weekend is, do you believe this message? Do you really believe it? If you're not sure, then I want to encourage you to check out for yourself. Maybe a beginning point for you is just to go out on your way out today. In the lobby, look over to the right. There's a, there's a stack of free New Testament Bibles. Pick up one. And start reading and investigating for yourself. Maybe accept the challenge that we gave out last weekend, what we called the 21 Days of Easter Challenge. And what we've encouraged everyone here at Southwest to do is to read the Gospel of John leading up to Easter. John is the fourth book in the New Testament. So it's the fourth book in this little free Bible. If you have a Bible app, it's easy to find. And what we want to encourage last week, we said... If everybody would take every day one chapter and just read that for 21 days, you could read through the entire Gospel of John. Some of you say, oh, man, I wasn't here last week. I'll miss out. Well, guess what? Let's do a little math. If you read a chapter and a half every day, starting today, you can finish by Easter Sunday. And investigate for yourself, do you really believe this is true? Now, if you believe this message, then I want to encourage you to also take the challenge and allow this 21-day period leading up to Easter to be a time to strengthen your faith in the one we follow and worship here at Southwest. And yet, if you believe this message, then I want to ask you, are you boldly sharing it with others as the Apostle Paul did? Are you willing to share this story? Are you willing to share your faith that you believe that Jesus did die for you? He was buried and he was resurrected. Are you willing to share that boldly with those that maybe even will think that you're gullible, crazy, or foolish to believe it? Paul says, you can call me foolish. You can even call me a fool for Christ. And yet, that's what I believe with all my heart. I fear that some of us shrink back in sharing our faith with those around us, whether it be family members, whether it be neighbors, co-workers, or classmates, because we don't want to come across as too fanatical or too foolish. Growing up, I, I attended a church that didn't really emphasize the importance of sharing your faith with others. And honestly, at that point in my life, I didn't really have a faith worth sharing. But I'll never forget while I was in high school, I had a friend on the track team that we were talking one day, and, and he shared with me that he was a part of a church, that they were, they were doing activities and events and, and, and really trying to stretch themselves to witness to others about their faith in Christ. And I remember thinking to myself, boy, I'm glad my church doesn't do that. And then later I asked myself, when I did come to faith, why didn't the church I grew up do that? You see, sometimes we're too concerned about what other people might think about us if we really take a stand on our faith. Paul says, I believe this message so much, and I believe the teachings of Jesus so much, I'm willing to be labeled as a fool for Christ, because I believe this is a message that everyone needs to hear. I also understand, though, that if you're here, maybe somebody invited you and you come in and you're saying, hey, I'm not ready to be a fool for Christ because I'm not even sure if I have faith in Christ. I get that. We want to encourage you to just keep coming, keep learning, keep reading, keep investigating for yourself. You know, I, I remember a time that, that I was invited to a, a Bible study when I was in college, and and, and I, I'd grown up, my parents believed, but I had questions, I wasn't sure if I believed. But I, I accepted the invitation, and I found myself enjoying the Bible study more than I thought I would, but, but I was still very fearful about what other people would think about me. You know, I, I've struggled my whole life with with uh, maybe some of you have struggled with that, like uh, this this uh, this desire to please people, this desire to fit in, this desire to be accepted. I think it's a natural thing to be tempted with, and and not wanting to stand out. And I'll I'll never forget going to those. Those Bible studies in that dorm, and even though I really enjoyed it, you know, that, this was in the dark ages before you could have a Bible app, you know, so, so I couldn't just carry a phone into the Bible study and pull up a Bible app. I, if you went to a Bible study, you were expected to bring a Bible back in those days, and, and I remember carrying the Bible behind my back walking through the dorm hallway just because if in case I saw somebody I knew, I didn't want them to think I was one of those Jesus people. You see, I was fearful. And yet, what I love is is I love the Apostle Paul says, Listen, I'm willing to take a stand, even if it means I'm labeled a fool for Christ. As we go back to the book of Acts, we see that Paul was truly a humble messenger who initially shared the message with those who lived in the city of Corinth, and we can read about that in Acts 18. Let's read how the Bible describes it. It says, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. One of the things that I admire about the early Christians is that they shared their faith with everyone that they encountered. We see this with the Apostle Paul. He goes into this city. He shares his faith with those that have a Jewish background like his, and he shares his faith with those who have a background quite different than his. And I, what I love about that is that he he truly didn't prejudge whether or not the people were going to respond or not. He didn't prejudge, are they going to be interested in this Jesus that I've come to believe? And yet I think that sometimes we make a prejudgment. We think of somebody at work, even when I said earlier, you know, hold this card up and think, you know, and we encourage you to grab one, to seat, maybe even hold it during this message and ask yourself, who could I invite? Who could I invite to come to celebrate Easter with us here at Southwest? Probably right away you start thinking about who's, who would be safe to invite. And there might be people at school or people at work you think, oh, I'd never invite them because they wouldn't be open. What have we just done? We've made a prejudgment in our heart and in our mind our Sunday night small group that, that meets half the time in our home, half the time in Mike Meyer's home, we've been talking practically about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to make disciples of others by sharing our faith with others? I've been especially proud of my wife who's really taken to heart these, these discussions. and And she's been bold and And she's been coming home and sharing with me some of the people that she's talked to at work about her faith. And this week, she invited someone that, honestly, she might not have invited in the past. Because she's not quite sure how this individual is going to respond. But she made a commitment to not prejudge any longer. Maybe some of you walked in here and think, I'm not a prejudiced person. Well, maybe you're not prejudiced toward people of a different race or a different ethnicity, but maybe you're prejudiced when it comes to who you share your faith with and who you'll be bold enough to share what Jesus means to me and what Jesus means to you. Or are you bold in sharing your faith and inviting others to faith events, trusting that God will work out, And that God will remove barriers. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 10, he says, We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. We work hard with our hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. You see, I'm not going to soft sell it here this weekend. If if you really take this message to heart and you become bold in your faith, you'll get a reaction. You'll get a reaction from friends, neighbors, workmates, and classmates. And we see in the next Bible verse that we're going to look at from Acts that there's a mixed reaction. Responses will be mixed. In Acts 18 verse 5, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. This is after Paul, uh, Timothy and Silas come to Corinth and now he no longer has to be a tent maker to make living. And so now he's spending all of his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah but when they opposed and insulted him Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said from now on I'll go preach to the Gentiles. That's the non-Jewish people. Then he left and went to the home of Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul became believers and were baptized. What do you see? You see that there were some individuals who totally rejected Paul's message. And they ended up opposing him and insulting him. And yet there were others who embraced his message... Even some surprising people like the synagogue ruler, who you would think for the Jewish heritage he might have pushed back. But he he responds and is baptized, he and all his household. But others mocked and made fun of Paul. You know, as I thought about Paul and how Paul was willing to be a fool for Christ, that's really challenged my personal boldness in sharing my faith. But I also thought back to the time when I first became a Christian when I was bold, at times ridiculously bold. And as I thought back to that time in my life, I've been challenged, why am I not as bold as I was when I first became a Christian? Some of you know my story, but maybe you don't know this part of it. You see, the first two years of my college experience, I wanted to get away from the church, and I wanted to fit in with the guys in the dorm, and and I did. And I played ball and played cards and went to parties, and I just was like everyone else in the dorm. And after two years of that, I started reading the Bible, started searching, and I started saying it was time for me to make a decision. How was I going to live my life? So at the end of my sophomore year, I became a Christian. I was baptized into Christ and my life's been different ever since. And then over the summer, I thought and prayed about it and I came back my junior year and I decided that I wanted to start a Bible study in the dorm and I wanted to reach out to some of my friends that I'd spent two years with and being just like them. But I wanted to share with them how Christ had given me hope and He would given me a new purpose in life. And I was excited about that. And, and so I started boldly inviting people that I'd played basketball with and played intramural sports and played cards with, gone to parties with, and I invited them to come to the Bible study I was leading. And, you know, honestly, there was a mixed reaction. There were some who who came accepted my invitation. They came to the Bible study. They even came to church with me. And I was thrilled with that. And and honestly, sometimes I'm not sure if I use the best techniques. I remember making deals with friends. Okay, and I'd pester them, and I'd say, okay, if you'll just come for three weeks in a row, I won't ever ask you again. And I got one guy to do that. Take me up on it. But you know what happened was... There were some who started mocking me and making fun of me in the dorm. Some of the guys that I thought were my good friends. I'll never forget that that Christmas, of my junior year. After I'd been sharing my faith with them, we had a, a Christmas party and we had gag gifts. And I opened my gift up, and it was a poster of the Pope. And all the guys started laughing, and I, I was hurt. I was hurt. But you know, the flip side of that, I I had the privilege of sharing my faith with a number of them, and I had the privilege to baptize a number of my friends into Christ. Yes, it was a mixed reaction. And if we're willing to really be bold in our faith, we'll have a mixed reaction. Are you willing to be bold and share what really is meaningful to you to others, Without prejudice, but boldly share it with them. Maybe you said, I don't know if I have the courage. I don't know if I have the motivation. Let me share with you as we close the vision motivation that Paul had. Back in Acts 18, in verse 9, it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the Word of God. Why did Paul continue to persevere and teach the Word of God and spend 18 months in this city that he had received a lot of rejection. Why? Because God said there will be many people that will respond, Paul, if you'll just keep preaching and keep teaching and keep being bold in your faith. Remember last fall when we had the dots up on the wall? We had 800 dots to represent the 80,000 people that live within 15 minutes of this building. And we had the ones that attend church. I think they were gold or silver. I can't remember. I'm kind of colorblind. But the, 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 the others were like blue. I might have it backwards, but you get the point. To represent that there's 60,000 plus people within 15 minutes of this building that aren't attending church right now. Now, here's what I think God wants us to know. Many of them will respond to Christ's message If someone will just have the courage to invite them, if someone will just have the courage to open their mouth and say, you know, it's Easter, do you go to church? And you know what? The Easter message is really meaningful to me, and I'd love for you to come to church with me so I can share it with you. Many will respond. If we will just be bold, are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Are you willing to be bold and share what Jesus means to you, to someone who desperately needs hope? Don't make a prejudiced decision before you invite them. Just let's ridiculously be bold and invite others. And let's see how God will work. Well, as we wrap up, Paul later sent Timothy to the people there in Corinth, and he talks about that at the end of chapter 4. He says, So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I've sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child and Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Why did Paul send Timothy back to the people there in Corinth? Because they need to be reminded of this simple message of Jesus and what He's done for us on the cross, and how that He overcame death. You see, we need to be reminded. That's why we take communion every weekend, to be reminded of who we're following, Jesus of Nazareth, the one who died on the cross, was buried and rose from the dead. As we take this communion, let's be reminded of Jesus and who we are following and let's ask ourselves, do we believe this message enough to share it boldly with others? After a time of reflection, we're going to sing a song we were sung earlier this month entitled, So Will I? And I want to encourage you as you sing this song after communion to ask yourself, after remembering what Jesus has done for you, will you join others? even all of creation to share boldly what Jesus means to you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings. Saturdays at 5.30 p.m. Sundays at 9.30 a.m and 15